This is an IELTS Energy Podcast, episode 1159. IELTS Speaking Test. Do you know what you're doing? Welcome to the IELTS Energy Podcast from All Ears English, downloaded more than 22 million times with former IELTS examiner Jessica Beck and Aubrey Carter, the IELTS whiz. If you are stuck with a low score, our insider method will help you get the score you need to unlock your dreams. Get your estimated band score now with our two-minute quiz. Go to allearsenglish.com forward slash my score. Today, we give you the top five myths and misunderstandings students have about the IELTS speaking exam. Listen up and learn the truth from a real speaking examiner. What defines an advanced English speaker? The ability to not only have interesting conversations with native speakers, but also the ability to be interesting in these conversations. Make an astute observation, ask good questions, speak with a confident pitch. These are conversational skills that require a special method and a structured study plan. Join our brand new B2 English fluency course. It's 100% based on interesting, spontaneous, unrehearsed video interviews with native speakers. Real English. Save up to $100 before June 7th and get a free bonus. Go to allearsenglish.com slash B2. That's allearsenglish.com slash letter B number two. Good morning, Aubrey. How's it going? I am doing great. My kids are back in school after spring break, so it's hard to have them home and get anything done. So I'm very excited that they're back in school. <laughs> you have an early spring break. It's so weird that it's like completely different across the country. It's James' true. spring break is next week. And then my mom works for schools in California and their spring break is like three weeks from now. They're, they're yeah. so well, We different. start a lot earlier because it's so oh, hot right. during the summer. So we go back to school a couple weeks before everyone else. So it's according to that, right? So yeah, yeah. ours is always early. You know, guys, I want to encourage you to not fast forward through the beginning conversations of these episodes because I know some students do. I know I listen to some podcasts and I do that. I'm like, I just want to get to the information that I'm listening for. But guys, for you as IELTS candidates, whether you're watching us on IELTS Energy TV on YouTube or if you're following the podcast, wherever you get podcasts, guys, the beginning conversations... They are exactly how you should speak on your speaking test. Now, this might be a surprise for some students, right? And that's what we're talking about today. IELTS speaking, do you know what you're doing? This is like one of my favorite titles we've had in a while. I know, it's really <laughs> fun because a lot of students out there, a lot of our listeners, I think they feel that they don't really know what they're doing. That's of why course. they're here to get the tips. Like, I need to be more confident and know that I'm knowing what I'm doing. But I think we also have listeners that do feel like they know what they are doing and they might actually have some myths, some false information that they don't realize isn't true. So totally. whichever of those camps you guys fit into, today's episode is going to be really useful for you. 
Yeah, guys. So we're going to give you the top five myths or misunderstandings that students have about IELTS speaking. Um, before we get to those myths, we have a couple uh, pieces of news to talk about, and they're related to speaking, guys. Um, first, we want to give a shout out to all of our Chinese followers who are looking for us and enjoying our speaking tips on Chinese social media. In case you guys didn't know, we do post videos on LRB and Billy Billy. So check us out on there, guys. And people can also read long articles about deeper learning that we are fans of on WeChat. We have an official account. So wherever you are in the world, guys, All Ears English is on your social media channels. Um, now, we had another interesting question, which does also connect to speaking more naturally, learning how to speak, and being able to evaluate speaking. What was that other interesting question we had from a follower, Aubrey? Yes, we have a student who emailed us saying that they want to be an IELTS examiner in Turkey. And they were asking, what are what do I need to know? What should I study? What can I do to prepare in advance? And it's true. It's really, I think the better you understand what the examiner knows and does and has learned and is looking yeah. for, the better you will do on the speaking exam. So this is all so related. Definitely. Um, I've already emailed that student telling them how uh, examiners are made and accepted. Um, but guys, just remember that I was an IELTS examiner for 14 years. I have been involved professionally with the IELTS exam for a very long time. And Aubrey knows everything I know uh, because she is Three Keys certified. So all of this insider information today, guys, we know this because we have the insider information information. And we help thousands of students pass the IELTS exam. And so we know what their problems are and how to fix them. So let's get right into it. What is the first sort of misunderstanding students have about IELTS? Yes. Yeah, so all of these are based on questions our students have had for us or things that they do in practice exams and classes. And we realize, oh, you have a misunderstanding. Something needs to be clarified. So the first one is about speaking part one, where a lot of students feel that they need to use formal, impressive academic language, and they're avoiding using slang and idioms and informal yeah. speech because they're thinking band nine vocabulary. This has to be impressive and uncommon. This totally. is really going to hurt your vocabulary score because you need that variety of vocabulary. You need that informal vocabulary. And it's more appropriate for a lot of these part one questions, yeah. which are personal questions that a friend would ask you. Exactly, exactly. Um, on the scoring rubric, right, that the examiner looks at, remember that there's not, there aren't separate tables of information for speaking part one, speaking part two, speaking part three. You're not graded individually. You're graded on your performance as a whole. That's why one of the descriptors for band seven or higher vocabulary on speaking is that you, the student, you, the candidate, show a range of vocabulary. So a range, that means informal, semi-formal, formal. So the misunderstanding here comes from students not having access to insiders like us. And it also is misleading when students look for quote unquote IELTS vocabulary online and it's like band nine vocab or whatever. And it's all these like, it's basically the academic word list, you know, 
Um, but like Aubrey said, that stuff doesn't make sense in, in part one. You know, if you're asked about your favorite color, you're not going to say like, um, well, in my research into psychological effects of varying hues on one's mental state or like, like that's, that's so weird. I felt weird saying it. Um, you're not going to do that. You're going to be like, oh my God, this is, this is funny because honestly, my entire life, I, for some reason, have been most comfortable with the color blue and every hue of blue from navy to turquoise, right? And so that makes a lot more sense as a part one answer. Exactly, right? If you try to get academic, think about... It just doesn't make sense. And the problem is students get where they're seeing the examiner. And so they put themselves in the role of a student. So they feel like they need to speak like a student, use academic language, be respectful in their tone. And sure. that can really hurt you because yeah. if the, the examiner is asking you a question, a friend would ask you, ask you, that's totally. the appropriate tone. That's the appropriate vocabulary. How would you answer that question if a friend asked you? Exactly, exactly. So that's how we choose um, the vocabulary that we use when we're answering in part one. Now, this connects to our second point, guys, because this is also like, this is a tricky thing. You do have to speak like you are speaking to a friend to some extent, and that is just in your word choice, right? However, this is point two, guys. You still can't approach this like a conversation with a friend because a conversation with a friend is um, it's two ways. Like you are asking them questions and they are talking as well. Right. But that is not part of the IELTS exam, guys. Um, When I was an examiner, it's always an uncomfortable and awkward thing if a candidate asks me a question because, guys, as an examiner, I am not allowed to go off script. I must follow the script in my testing booklet, word for word in most cases, until I get to part three and I can develop the conversation and think of my own questions. But other than that, I have to only say what's on these pieces of paper in front of me, guys. So if you're like, well, what do you think? What's your favorite color? The examiner can't answer you. So instead, I have to be like, I just have to nod silently and ask you another question. So like, that's weird. So don't talk directly to the examiner. That's point two. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, that's the the tricky line to um, tread, right? To yeah. use this informal vocabulary, use the slang, but not see it as a conversation. You can't ask them any questions, even just if like, what about you? What do you think would be awkward? They're just going to ask the next question. So avoid that. Don't approach it like a conversation, but think about your vocabulary. How would I, what vocabulary would I use? What slang would I use if I were speaking to a peer, to a friend or a colleague? 
Exactly. Exactly. All right. So the next two points, guys, are both about speaking part two. This first one we have covered on this show, guys, so we won't spend that much time on it. But just to remind you guys in speaking part two, you do not have to talk about those bullet points. Okay. Again, as an examiner, I almost never even looked at the bullet points. We don't care about the bullet points on that card, on that part two cue card. It is not part of your score. If you do only focus on those bullet points, you won't have enough to say. You're not going to fill the two minutes and it's not natural. It's a weird answer if you just focus on those three bullet points. Right. And I wonder if students collocate the bullet points on the general task one letter sometimes with the bullet points on task part two speaking. Totally. You really want to separate those in your mind, right? Yeah. For that letter, you're given those three bullet points and you absolutely have to address them directly. That's yeah. a very different thing for exactly. writing. So don't associate them together, the bullet points for writing and speaking. Think of it as the bullet points on writing are very important. We have to look at those. We have to read them, think about them, address them. When it comes to speaking, it's actually better to ignore those bullet points. They're a suggestion. The examiner is likely not even going to look at them. And they might derail you when you should be telling a story and sharing all these interesting details if you're feeling like, I have to address these bullet points. And then you address those and have nothing else to say. You need to speak for that full two minutes. So don't let those bullet points keep you from doing that in a fluent way. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then uh, number four here, guys, also about part two, mis- misunderstanding or myth number four. Um, a lot of students still think that their part two answer has to be like perfectly organized, like it's a task to essay or something with an introduction and a body and a conclusion. Um, again, guys, Always keep in mind that the examiner is not grading you part by part. There is nothing in the scoring rubric that is like part two has a conclusion that it there's not part of how I'm grading you as a speaking examiner, guys. Um, in speaking part two, in fact, it is better to not have a conclusion because that means you are like partway through a story or partway through a tangent or a side note, and the examiner must stop you, ask you the closing question for part two, and move to part three. That is better. That shows your fluency, right? Whereas um, if you are like really focused on fitting in like introduction, conclusion, again, like it's weird. Like nobody talks like that. And, (laughs) And secondly, you probably will like be so worried about the conclusion that you're not going to finish the two minutes. You just like go through your notes, say a conclusion, and then there's that awkward silence for the rest of the two minutes while the examiner looks at you, moves her hand to be like, keep talking. And like, you don't want that to happen. So again, don't worry about a conclusion. Often in speaking classes, if a student shares a conclusion and then their space, they'll sort of awkwardly start trying to share other details, something else, there's going to be some kind of pause, hesitation gap. So yeah, you're exactly right. The the likelihood that you're going to start your conclusion at the exact right time to finish at exactly two minutes is almost nil, right? It's so unlikely that you're probably going to have space at the end. Yeah, Just don't do it. Don't worry about concluding. Keep telling the story. Share more details. Go off on a tangent. Let the examiner stop you at two minutes. And I think like um, something else that might happen if you're worried about a conclusion is that 
you plan on having a, a conclusion and then you run out of time and you don't get to say it. And then you feel as a candidate, you feel thrown off. And then you're like right. panicked in part three because you're already telling yourself like, I, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, I'm itching my nose right now because I have a little bit of a cold. I don't, I know it looks bad, but that's what's happening. Um, so um, we don't want you to have like unrealistic expectations of yourself and also the wrong expectations, right? Because then you're going to be panicked for no reason. So that's another reason. Don't worry about the conclusion. All right. Now, the last misunderstanding we want to clear up today about the IELTS speaking exam has to do with part three, guys. Um, we still get a lot of questions from students and comments on our YouTube videos with sample answers like, but you sounded too informal for part three. I don't think that's a good answer. Or you used, you talked about personal information in part three. That's not a good answer. <laughs> so why are those, why are those comments wrong, Aubrey? Yeah, because for part three, you absolutely can use slang, idioms, informal language, and you absolutely can use personal examples. As long as you're answering the question, even if it is talking about society as a whole, if you answer that and then make it personal to share why you feel that way, yeah. that is all on topic. That is all answering the question. There is nothing in the scoring rubric that says part three has to be informal vocabulary and there can be no personal examples. The right. examiner is just looking for you to answer the question in a yeah. fluent way. And if you exactly. can do that using a personal example, you're actually likely to give a better answer with more details, more interesting information. Make it personal if you can. Yep. It all comes back to the scoring system, guys. It's about your ability to communicate naturally and effectively. And using personal examples to prove your opinions or support your ideas in part three, that is effective and natural, right? And that's what it's all about. Um, and do remember that it still is a range that we're looking for. So yes, it is totally natural to use some informal language in part three, but you do also have to use some formal academic language in part three. So it's going to be a mixture there. Okay. All right, guys. So if you are wondering what you would get on your IELTS exam, if you took at today, right now, you can find out for free. Take our super fun IELTS quiz and get some free resources we made for you guys. Go to allearsenglish.com slash my score to take that free IELTS quiz. Yes. All right, sweet. Awesome. awesome. Aubrey, thanks for chatting today. Yeah, I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to IELTS Energy. Hit subscribe now and don't forget to find your estimated band score at allearsenglish.com slash my score.